Welcome back to the Games On, dude, a Big Ten basketball podcast that is currently playing a man down as Tommy Crimes is currently missing in action. We don't know where he is and everyone is very, very concerned. If you see Crimes, please do not engage directly. Just call local law enforcement. I'll be your host tonight, Babar. And I'm Chris. And we got a ton to talk about, folks. The Big Ten and various enemies of the podcast have been very active. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time dawdling. We're going to dive right in. With first, big news out of West Lafayette, as one of the very best Purdue bigs of all time, is currently being sued by a neighborhood association as A.J. Hammonds is having parties <laughs> that are simply getting out of hand. Chris, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? I have. I, uh, I saw the flyer from... Uh... From DJ Fat West, uh, <laughs> ad- advertising the Mansion Pool Party featuring the two hundred fifty dollars wet T shirt contest. Man, um, so is that one hundred fifty dollars to enter the contest, or one hundred fifty dollars if you win the contest? Uh, it two hundred fifty. I don't know. So. I don't know if it's entry or take home prize. Um, I feel like the number's outrageous either way. Right. I feel like, like I feel like two hundred fifty dollars way too much to enter a contest, and not nearly enough if you win it. Right. <laughs> and like, shouldn't the pool like the prize money increase depending on number yeah. of contestants? Like, hmm. who who's running the FP and A for DJ Fat West? <laughs> this, believe it or not, is not the uh, not the thrust of the complaint that's been filed against AJ Hammonds. Um, Brother, your the- budget variances are all out of whack. We gotta get. <laughs> we gotta tighten this up, man. One of the uh, only cool things about being an attorney is being able to pull filings um, of basically any case that's not deemed confidential by the court. So I was able to take a look at the uh, complaint that AJ Hammonds is facing. First off, as people may not know, he's not even being sued by the by his neighborhood. He's being sued by a different neighborhood <laughs> that, in which there seems to be a causal connection between AJ Hammonds having a party and people in this neighborhood waking up with bullets in their house. <laughs> Which is like really surprising that he's not being sued by the neighborhood that the house is. Um, so for our Indianapolis-based listeners, um, this is in Geist neighborhood. So if you know anything <laughs> about about Geist, um, probably not a neighborhood that's really uh, fond of having uh, this type of of party uh, taking place on a regular basis in their in their yeah. neighborhood. Not like just, I mean. I'd be annoyed if a party like that was, was going just, on on my street, but like guys specifically uh, I did, when, coming when to coming from the neighborhood that is charging $50 parking to go like swim in their lake or whatever. Yeah. When you're uh, playing at that particular property tax bracket, you're going to have zero tolerance for basically yeah. I- any sound after 9 30 PM. So, and to which listen, I believe the position of the podcast is that these neighbors are absolutely in the right. However, we're going to get these jokes off. Yeah. Because I, I will say I did see like the story has been out there for what a month and a half or so that like, Hey, there's this party house in Geis and the neighbors are fucking sick of it. And yeah. then like a couple of weeks ago it comes out. I was like, Oh, by the way, it's former Purdue basketball player, AJ Hammonds, which just takes it to another <laughs> level. <laughs> I do love that AJ Hammonds, uh, Again, just chose to not be a great basketball player because all right. of the all of the skills were there. He was probably one of the most like raw, like rawly talented players I've ever seen at Purdue, and probably in the Big Ten in a long time. That kid could do it all if he wanted to do it all, and he wanted to do it all for about across four years at Purdue, aggregate like thirty five games. Yeah. Um, 
And not God. like 35 complete games, like a four-minute <laughs> stretch here, four-minute stretch there. It's like, hey, I'll, I'll lock in on defense and defend the paint for a little bit. <laughs> he, he got drafted, I think, like in the second round by the Mavericks or something like that, and then was, I mean, immediately out of the league. And I know Honestly, we- frankly, based to spend all your NBA <laughs> earnings on a <laughs> housing geist. We and I know we talked on this podcast before about how you can really tell the guys who love basketball are the ones that go overseas and play for at least a few years after their college career ends. And I love that AJ Hammonds did not even sniff an international flight when it came to saving his basketball career. Nope. Was, I, I've got his Wikipedia pulled up. His career <laughs> history post uh, post Purdue. 2016-2017 Dallas Mavericks, 2016-2017 Texas Legends, 2017-2018 Sioux Falls Skyforce. Done. Done. I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to become. Thanks. A, I'm going to be a party mogul now. I think I'm going to get into the party mogul game. It's just, it's man, what a waste. What what a what an absolute waste. The, the, yeah. What that kid could do. When he even when he very clearly didn't care about the game was just like literally like kind of roll out of bed and you know play it at all Big Ten level get you like sixteen ten in, in the couple blocks yeah he's like great size great mobility had like a pretty good like obviously not like a a super big threat from deep by any means whatsoever I think he only took a handful of shots but like he had, he had good touch around the basket though. yeah like, that shot like you could good. dump into him and. Yeah, he can you, easily get you a bucket. He could extend out a little bit. He could drive a little bit. All of all like foundational skills that if he had just, you know, practiced, he would <laughs> It's like, I don't know, man, do you want to be like Kevin Durant? It's up to you. Like I, like what's what's up, dog? So funny. Um so uh yeah, now he's uh getting sued by uh lots of members of that neighborhood. Um it sounds like based on news reports that his pretrial conference, which for people who don't know Pre-trial conferences typically, um, usually like just the lawyers and the judge kind of, uh, like you walk in like five minutes beforehand, you shoot the shit with the judge for 15 minutes, uh, you rag on opposing counsel. And then you say, Hey, uh, can you send me some stuff? Like you got some discovery or whatever. Here's my email. Uh, and then you guys get a new date and you do that like four or five times. And then you actually try and decide what the case is going to, how it's going to turn out in this case, apparently like that courtroom was packed full of pissed off neighbors <laughs> who, who I guess thought that AJ Hammonds was going to be brought to justice, like a Hungarian war tribunal at the, at least just right, right there in the courtroom in Marion County. How many of those people are like former aggrieved Purdue fans? Like this guy should have been fucking one. Like this motherfucker. I've been, I've been traumatized by this man far too many times. He was, uh, AJ Hammonds was on like that OG. I guess I, I shouldn't say OG Purdue choker because Purdue's been choking. Obviously, I mean it's genetic. But in this sort of latest, like modern era Purdue choking, I feel like that loss to Little Rock for that team that he was on was Swanigan, Vince Edwards. Those mm-hmm. guys were kind of that was like the original, like the original Matt Painter double digit seed loss for no, like no real excuse. For a while there, it was like Robbie Hummel was always getting hurt by the end of the year. In this, <laughs> in this case, everyone was healthy. Everything was fine. It's just they just got beat by Arkansas Little Rock. Coached by Chris. Chris Beard. There you go. Uh, I just remember some guard for them just hitting logo threes yeah. over and over again. Um, and then they had a couple years of reprieve of just mostly normal losses in the NCAA tournament before starting this uh, 
just incredible run of form they're on right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, was anyway. was there anything else from the uh, the court report or whatever legal no. document you have access to that was interesting? <laughs> no, there's currently a restraining order preventing him from hosting any parties at his house. Which is very funny that you had to have a judge tell you to stop party rocking. I also want to know, like, what is the legal definition of party? Like, at what point does a function become a party? Like, can AJ Hammonds have, like, a couple people over for some beers? Like, <laughs> get, get him a Catan in the, in the basement with the boys. <laughs> Like while watching game three of the finals, like, is that, is that permitted is not that AJ Hammonds will be watching the finals cause he hates basketball. But <laughs> AJ Hammonds asking people to turn that shit off when they're watching the NBA finals. Brother, the game is not on. <laughs> so, hey, turn the college world series on. He's just a big college baseball nut. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. Uh, speaking of Purdue bigs, we do have the uh, uh, the Zoomer slash less talented version of AJ Hammond. Zach Eady is coming back to Purdue for his uh, senior year. How many years? How long has he been at Purdue? This will be his fourth year. It's, it's got to be his fourth year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he'd still have a COVID year if he wanted it. Um, yeah. Which. Uh, Brother, go join the workforce. I, I just, I, like, here, here's my thing with Edie, and it's. I'm going to do my best to not restate things that we have said a thousand times on this podcast and been right about on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, There's I'll be interested to see next year if he's used any differently because Matt Painter's got that sort of age old problem that college coaches have when you have these sort of borderline uh, developmental superstars. And I use that term, not because I personally believe it, but because he's the national player of the year. Um, and he went through the NBA evaluation process where what he does really well, uh, which is catch the ball two feet from the hoop and then gently place it in there um, because he's nine inches taller than anybody guarding him. Um, do you keep spamming that game in and game out like they did last year? Or are we going to see him do a little face up game, extend out to the three point line, shoot some jump shots? Like what's the plan here? Paint. I, uh, that's, I think what I'm most interested in seeing is, are, is he coming back to do things differently or is he coming back to just do more, uh, you know, dunks and lay-ins and getting eaten alive on the pick and roll? Yeah. I talked to a couple of, um, Purdue guys at, at work and like online and my, my whole thing with Edie coming back is like, you're not like, and it kind of goes along with your point, like how he's going to be used is going to go a long way in how the rest of the roster develops. And I, I kind of felt that like him moving on would be the best thing for this roster. Like it would force, force the guards to kind of grow up and kind of step into that, that primary scorer role. It would give um, Caleb first the chance to play his actual position, which should be a five. <laughs> Why was Caleb first not in the transfer portal? <laughs> like Caleb first and Trey Kaufman ran whatever, whatever Painter told you to not even test the waters. Um, I I don't get it. You sure, can, you can always go back to Purdue unless is Matt Painter one of those guys like if you put your name in the portal, you're dead to me. You're gone. I mean, like they've with among the teams in the big 10 definitely in like the country probably one of like the lowest turnover rates 
yeah. in terms of like the transfer portal. I know like Painter's a big like redshirt guy and like developed from guy. within. Yeah, but like if I'm Trey Kaufman Wren and I got recruited to be like a three four hybrid and now I'm I've been in the program for three years and I'm gonna be a backup center again for like the third year in a row, like dude, like so yeah, and that's what I'm wondering. Like, is I know Purdue's got a couple freshmen coming in that have a little bit more. They're they're kind of you know it almost seems like a begrudging step towards like what modern basketball teams yeah. should look like. But I'm not going to be surprised at all if Painter rolls out the same starting five that he's been. Uh, you know, with uh, uh, Smith and Lawyer, uh, Gillis and First and Edie. And I guess if you're Painter, it's pretty easily defensible because well, you won the you won everything there was to win in the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got. <laughs> a fairly embarrassing loss in the tournament <laughs> folks <laughs> put it on the board. I think that's four, four episodes in a row. Now we've done it anyway. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, I just, I, I agree with your point that I think long-term for the players on that roster, obviously short-term devastating to lose ED probably a year earlier than you thought you were going to. Cause I think mm-hmm. most Purdue fans expected him back. Right. Um, I think painter expected him back. I think everyone, I think I think the book's out on Edie. There's nothing that Edie can do at the Underwear Olympics that's going to that's going to change that Jalen Ochefino tape. I don't <laughs> know. Did you see his his shuttle time or whatever? Oh, his lane agility. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, this one this one exercise that can basically be cheated if you've got a big ass stride. He did really <laughs> well on. And it's like, and but you know, in the interest of fairness, and that I'm not just completely full of shit. I had the exact same thoughts about Trace Jackson Davis multiple times throughout the season mm-hmm. where I thought, is Indiana going to be better off developmentally, not right away, but better off developmentally if the gravity of Trace Jackson Davis is out of the program? <laughs> like, listen, if it were, if I had the option to get him back next year, um, I'm taking him. But yeah. <laughs> I also think that there's an opportunity now that he is gone. I kind of thought the same thing about Cody Zeller too after a couple of years. It's just like, what is this team – without this huge magnet of uh, possessions in the yeah. middle going to do to help everyone else around, you know, cause there's talent in the pro I can say that for Indiana. I'm going to push back a little bit on Purdue having like, <laughs> I don't know if like getting more possessions for Braden Smith and Fletcher lawyers, exactly what Purdue is going to be looking for. Hey, like <laughs> three or four more shots a game for Ethan Morton, man. Like that really <laughs> might open the offense up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, just clanging more three point. It'd be funny if they, <laughs> if they go back to the fairly Dickinson game plan of just everybody else chucking up threes, except like while Edie's watching. Yeah. It's like, no, we're going to get the Kings worked out. Can we uh, talk about the Greg Doyle column? Oh, they got yes. me blocked on Twitter. Yes. Oh yeah. Sad days at the podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, he Chris uh, has been blocked by Greg Doyle on Twitter, which frankly, in my opinion, yeah, I've been following this feud for a while. Long time coming. Kind of surprised. But, kind of surprised this is the one that did it. I'm saying, like, I didn't. Uh, the the comment wasn't hostile. It was literally a tweet saying "lol lmao." That's some screenshots of of the text. I want. Do you think that maybe you got blocked for sharing portions of the column beyond the paywall? Like, is that a, like a Gannett policy? Like, if you if if you're sharing paywall stuff on Twitter, so that the like the sullied non-subscribers can read it. Uh, is that a, it, does that just get you the auto block? But I guess you could still read his column and then post like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Never mind. Yeah. 
I've done my own argument. Continue. I would, I would want to see if other people have done this. I'm, I don't know. Anyways, he does a little bit of like going Bob Ryan mode in the whole three point yeah. revolution. Like we don't need to do that. I think th- the biggest takeaway from this article, and I, I remember it was early on. I'm just going to read the passage. Zach Eady is returning to Purdue for his senior season, which is great for Purdue, but a mixed bag for Eady. That's the local impact, and we'll get to it. His return to Purdue says wonderful things about the impact of NIL. Not sh- quite sure if that's the case because there's some weird stuff because he's Canadian. Um, I'm assuming that got worked out somehow. Anyways, but what it says about the NBA is devastating. That's the bigger picture, and we'll get to that as well. There's a lot here is my point. Let's start with what this means for Purdue, and while I'm trying to keep calm, he's going all caps mode here, I am failing because, oh my word, is Purdue going to be good next season? Yeah, they'll be good. Not just preseason number one good. Think bigger. Think historically loaded as it relates to the gap between number one and everyone else. <laughs> I'm thinking about that starting backcourt as it currently sits. <laughs> five foot nine, Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, arguably one of the worst players in Power Five last year. And then Ethan Morton. And that's what I think when I think historically loaded. He follows it up by going, the game has changed since Lou Alcindor was at UCLA, Quinn Buckner was at IU, and Michael Jordan was at UNC. So don't give me the nonsense. So you're saying well, Purdue will be as good as UNC in 1982 with Jordan, Sam Perkins, and James Worthy? No, I'm not saying that. Here's what I'm saying. In today's college basketball world, where great players leave for the NBA and really good role players enter the transfer portal to star somewhere else, the talent and depth gap between Purdue, which will be the best team in 2023-24, and whoever's second will be historical. That's just incorrect. It's it's has incorrect. He, <laughs> has he seen Kansas's roster? Has no. He, like, <laughs> have you, you right. want to talk about guys that could have gone pro and didn't decide to come back? That's literally all Kansas is, and then they're mixing in like five-star, like – and like some of the best transfers in the portal, like their their roster, I'm, I've got it pulled up. Is Dickens, Hunter Dickinson, Nick Timberlake, who were two of the best transfers on the market, Dewan Harris, who was on their national title team, KJ Adams was on their national title team, Kevin McCuller, who's like on his like sixth year and has played um, in the Big Twelve for like four years, um, and then Are like we- a couple of like five star fresh. Like, what are we doing here? Are we absolutely certain that Purdue's even going to be the best team in the Big Ten next year? Oh, now we're now we're cooking. Because <laughs> those Michigan State guards. Those guards are nice with it. They're a little bit nice with it. I'm just saying. And they got them all back. Jay Nakin say Jay Hogar coming back. Got a good class coming in. It's an Izzo team. I'm it's just, an Izzo. What's going to be funny is, uh, and this I feel like always happens with either by uh, – because it's deserved or because Tom Izzo just insists on it. But like, I feel like Sissoko is kind of like widely considered to be like the, uh, the weak link in that starting five. And mm-hmm. now he's got obviously depth bearing down on him. He will start every single game. Like yeah. I, you, you can just see it coming and, and like, it's going to be, they're going to be in the sweet 16 and he's going to, he's going to play like 34 minutes and no one's going to know why. <laughs> <laughs> like two for seven from the field. It's, it's, Misses like some crunch time free throws. Yeah, like 
that's just that's a little bit of an aside. But yeah, I just listen. I don't want to get it twisted. I know we've got a lot of Purdue people like hate listening to us. Um, Purdue will be good. Purdue will be competing for a Big Ten title. I I don't really have them uh, with a very strong chance at anything much more than that. Um, but I also like key word is they will be competing for a Big Ten title. I am not going to hand it to them uh, because they they got allegations to answer from last year. Uh, run, it was, run it back. And it was <laughs> run it back. Run what back, dog? <laughs> Every single year at Purdue has ended in embarrassing failure, and you're tweeting run it. Now let me get some more of that. <laughs> it's like, dog. There is nothing lower than a 16 seed yet, so um, we are not going to be able to uh, embarrass you further next year. Like, I guess we can say this for Purdue: there is no chance that their year will end on a more embarrassing note than, I mean, they could miss the tournament and it would be less embarrassing than, than this. And I get like, I feel like Purdue fans are kind of trying to, and, and I'd probably be doing the same thing if it happened to my yeah. team, but they are really trying to move past this at a, at a rate of which is just, it's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. When you're going to be one of like, the intro clips to every like NCAA tournament, like montage for the yeah. next 25 years. It's kind it's, of a tough spot to be. I just want to like, Hey, like current Purdue students, when your kids are graduating from high school and March madness rolls around highlights from that game are gonna be played. <laughs> so I think you probably need to do a little bit more of uh, kind of making your way through the, uh, the stages of grief. Um, yeah. Because it's going to be a long time that you're dealing with this one. Um, now, all that said, Purdue will be good, um, especially by Big Ten standards. It's not going to take much. But they kind of got found out. I think really it was that road game at Michigan State that they should have that they should have lost. They did not lose. That's where Izzo – Izzo was the first guy that I recalled. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I sat and watched Purdue every minute of every game. But that was the first game that I noticed where their answer to what do you do about Zach Eady was like, fuck it, nothing. We're just going to play it straight up and hope for the best. And then all of a sudden the double teams, there, there was just, there was so much less emphasis on playing Eady or, or worrying about Eady. Instead it was just mm-hmm. like, Hey, yeah, we don't want him to catch the ball within four feet of the basket. Like obviously we want to try to avoid that, but we're going to put that work in you know, early in the possession. But other than that, we're not going to double him hard. We're not going to, we're not going to just leave Purdue guys open and we're going to make everyone, you know, basically it's like if Edie wants to score 50 points, he can go and try. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to bet that that's not going to happen. And that the other four guys on the court are not going to be able to hang. And largely the teams that had the personnel to do it, did it. I mean, per- Purdue yeah. didn't, Purdue didn't beat a team ranked in the top 30 on Ken Palm. Uh, after like January of last year, somewhere yeah. around there. So um, the the game I always go back to where I think there was kind of the most indicative of their problems to me was that road loss to Maryland where they just got pressed mm-hmm. into oblivion after yep. we've been, you know, people have been talking for weeks like, hey, yeah, Edie's great, but like, can these guards handle pressure? Turns out they can't. They no, ended up they can't. not definitely not handling it in the – in the tournament. Um, and, Cause there's the, only so much that there's only so much that scheme 
can do for you on a press mm-hmm. break. At some point, at a baseline level, you're going to need some athleticism. Yeah, you just you need some dudes that can just break a guy down and get the ball yeah. across half court. Like that's yeah. really all it comes down to. And the one guy that Purdue had that could do that reliably has is now playing for Notre Dame. Right? Is that where he went? Uh, Newman. Newman? Uh, no, Newman went the... to Western Kentucky. Right? Yeah, yeah. Him and yeah. Christian Lander in the backcourt, baby. <laughs> That's that's gonna be one to watch because it'll be bad. That's six step. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's gonna be truly disgusting things happening in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, get that away from me. That's <laughs> I would deep, I, deeply fucked up. I think I, I either said it. I, I said it in a previous episode of the pod, or I or I texted to you. I, I would have taken Brandon Newman at IU. For oh, absolutely. Year. Yeah, that's I think I think Brandon Newman's good. Exactly, exactly. Kind of the player that they're uh, that they're missing. Who. You, you know, a guy who can hit shots when no one's looking at him because that would be the case. Um, that's neither here nor there. I just, yeah. Um, there's a lot of bad tape for Purdue towards the end of last year. Um, and I don't think that any uh, any team projected to finish in the front, in, in the top half of the Big Ten, is like shaking in their boots about playing Purdue this year. Um I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Like, I'm not saying they're going to lose all of those games. But, like, the idea, again, going back to Greg Doyle's thesis that this is some historically loaded team, I think they're going to be in a dogfight the entire way. They may come in on top. They may win the Big Ten. Uh, but there's going to be teams nipping at their heels. And I think Michigan State, number one, um, I'm going to hold back on any prognostications about Indiana because there's just way too many new pieces <laughs> there. <laughs> it's so many new variables. It's just like, yeah, uh, we'll – could could be sick. Could be a complete dumpster fire. We'll see. Yeah, talk to us in January. I uh, but anywhere from like you know missing the NIT to uh, a two seed is feels like it's kind of on the table for Indiana. Um, completely chaotic roster. Can't wait. <laughs> and yeah. speaking of chaotic rosters, uh, the revolution marches on in in Champaign. <laughs> Who are still point guardless, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah they're, uh, that uh, Ray J. Dennis came out of Toledo and was, we were told basically the entire time, don't even worry about it. He's an Illinois lock and uh, committed to how many of How many of those guys have there been, like this transfer cycle? It's like, it's, oh, yeah, he's an Illinois lock. Like, I feel like Tiger, every guy they've, they've been Camp- mixed with. Yeah. Tiger Campbell was an Illinois lock. Were they ever in the mix for Caleb Love? Uh, no, I don't think so though. God, they probably should have been. That's a, that's a brand match. Yeah, man. We should have, we should have manifested that one. That would have been, oh God, what a missed opportunity. Caleb love playing for Brad Underwood. Oh my God. Yeah. Match made in heaven. (laughs) If if you're, if you're, you know, a mediocre (laughs) podcaster, then you're like, all right, we're going to have uh, weekly content churned out for us thanks to the folks up in Champaign. Um, yeah. They got some good news, bad news on their NBA. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the good news is that Terrence Shannon will be back. The bad news is Coleman Hawkins also coming back. I was kind of surprised by the Shannon decision. Like, I thought I was he too. was – I don't know if he was going to be a first-round guy, but I had seen him mocked, like, early in the second round, and he's kind of the prototype of what you would look for from a – from a wing coming out of college, like a, you know, a good combo guard with some size that can shoot a little bit. And I think it was, I think it was uh, Ben that said in the last, uh, when he was uh guest on the show 
that said he was the only guy out of that, out of the Big Ten draft class that he had any interest in whatsoever. Yeah. And while I, he's not the only guy I've got interest in, I can definitely see that being the one prospect out of that Big Ten that you're like, okay, that guy's got a little bit of wiggle. He's got a shot. He's got good positional size. Uh, production wasn't necessarily always there, but who knows? Oh, that could have been the environment. (laughs) Who knows whose fault that was? Yeah. So, so anyway, Illinois got these guys back. Uh, they were apparently going to be attempting to do all of this without a point guard next year, which should uh, historically go really well for them. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's been the problem is they, the point guard has been such a disaster class. And, like, maybe just going with that one's the, the, the move that Underwood needs to go with. We do know that, at least as of today, a door, the door has slammed shut on a reunion between Illinois and Andre Curbelo. Sad. Who has committed to Southern Miss. I sure. Had, I, I had people telling me that Andre Curbelo was going to be this nightmare for Illinois. That other teams, you know, he his highlight tape. You guys have no idea how good this kid is. And now he's suiting up for Southern Miss two years later. What a fall from grace. Uh, I know... Our listeners are probably concerned, you know, does this mean the end of Curbelo watch? Absolutely not. We will be, we will be following. What, what conference is Southern Miss in now? They CUSA, I think. They're still in CUSA. Are they? Maybe the AC? Well, we will be wherever they, wherever they ended up, wherever Southern Miss is, whatever streaming service we have to pay four ninety nine <laughs> to watch a pixelated uh, game between them and, uh, some D2 school we haven't heard of, which will be the only good game Andre Cabello has next year. No, they're I mean, in the Sun Belt. Good God. Gee, the Fun Belt. All right. Um, we will be there no matter what. We are. Uh, <laughs> if the game is on, you know our ass is there. We will be looking at that stat line and drawing all the appropriate inferences that we need. Um, and we also are relying on you, the listeners. If he's doing something wacky, let us know. I feel like this was easier last year when he was playing in the Big East. So yeah. we're going to need some truly dedicated uh, piggies to, uh, you know. Yeah, a lot easier to find him when he's on Fox Sports 1 instead of <laughs> when he's playing a pro ranked, sports or whatever the fuck. When he's playing a ranked team twice a week. Yeah. <laughs> hey, here's Donovan Klingon and UConn running up the score on, on St. John's. But hey, Andre Cabrera's wearing sunglasses at the free throw line. <laughs> What a fuck! What a jackass! God, yeah, he's gonna do. Man, this could be great. Like him playing in front of like six thousand people in, uh, you know, Alabama, something like in somewhere in like backwater Alabama. Yeah. Really funny to me. Like, man, Cause, and you know he's like getting the keys to that team too. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like there is gonna be no restrictions. Yeah. <laughs> you do what you want to do out there. Um. Should be should be very tight. It's gonna constantly be like the the Jordan Clarkson. It's Jordan Clarkson time <laughs> dash Jordan. It's gonna be Curbelo time dash Andre Curbelo. Yeah, just every single night. Eternal Curbelo time. At Southern <laughs> Miss. Oh Christ, alive! Um, moving right along, fellow enemy of the podcast, Paul Mulcahy, uh, left people guessing on his. Uh, his NBA draft decision. Yeah, what? Um, have you heard the latest on Paul Mulcahy? Or 
uh, I did tell people that we were never going to actually, uh, we were never going to actually hear what happened to Paul Mulcahy. We were just going <laughs> to one day, four years from now, be talking about him playing in Istanbul. Uh, <laughs> I was expecting to see him at like a conference in like four or five years slinging like some AI, like startup software or something <laughs> for like, what we do know is that he has withdrawn from the draft. And I, um, I, we had to find that out by like the NBA put out like an official list of like, Hey, yeah, here's guys that put out, here, like here, withdrew here, their here. name. Well, no, it was, I think it was the exact opposite. It was, um, Oh no, you're right. They put out the list of people who withdrew. Yeah. Okay. His name was on it. Um, but he has not publicly announced anything and uh, appears. There was at least one report that said he's evaluating options overseas which, if that is the case, I kind of have to tip my cap to Paul Mulcahy, who I think might have a better understanding of like his station in basketball's yeah. <laughs> in basketball's ecosystem than I would have previously given him credit for. Um, I, I wonder how much of that is like all the kind of off season turmoil that Rutgers has undergone with like the recruits decommitting and. Um, guys transferring out with like the cam Spencer stuff. Tell, he, if he's just like, eh, I think I'm good. I tell you one uh, super cool thing that you can do is you can tweet. Um, if you're an Indiana Twitter account with like even the tiniest bit of clout, uh, you can tweet that Rutgers is a broke ass bum program. You can do um, that. And a bunch of Rutgers fans will let you know that all these decommitments have absolutely nothing to do with their NIL situation. And it's just, you know, if there was ever an instance of like the lady doth protest too much, <laughs> this is it. Like it was incredible to me, the, uh, like the, which I'm probably the only person that isn't a Rutgers fan that keeps tabs on this. Cause I have to <laughs> for my own safety, yeah. but, but the Rutgers media apparatus, cause you just never know when your name's going to show up in an article <laughs> yeah. on NJ.com. Yeah, do you have do you have Google Alerts set for I my RSS feed to make sure <laughs> that my that I'm not being slandered in the New Jersey media? But anyway, honey, our house was in the news again. <laughs> they published our child, our children's social security numbers. What's the, what's the SB Nation site on the banks? Like, yeah. hey, hey, there's a picture of you sitting by the pool on a the main page of on the banks. Uh, they've they've published our child's school calendar. <laughs> it's a really disturbing stuff. But anyway, uh, these decommitments happened, and then there was just, the apparatus just immediately mobilized to, and there was just article after article popped up that there were no problems with Rutgers NIL situation. And it's just like, guys, one important thing when you're doing coordinated messaging um, is to not make your messaging look coordinated because. Yeah then people are going to think it's not true because it's not. Um, And so when you're, when the powers that be, that being, you know, the Rutgers athletic department is telling everyone, Hey, make sure that everyone knows this isn't an NIL issue. You could pretty much rest assured that it's a massive (laughs) NIL issue. (laughs) My, my, it's not an NIL issue. T-shirt is leading to a lot of questions already previously answered by my shirt. (laughs) So, all eyes on Ace Bailey now, uh, who, depending on who you talk to, is either more committed to Rutgers than he's ever been or is uh, got one foot out the door. Um, obviously, he's not as beholden to the transfer portal. Um, is he 
Is he a 2024 kid or is he? I think so. Yeah. So there's. Because all those guys that were decommitting were, I think, 2024 guys. Yeah. So um, a long way to go in that recruitment, I would uh, I would go ahead and say. Did you um, see the the tweet I posted in our chat today about Mulcahy? Yes, but please uh, expound. The NIL Summit uh, announced the award. We are proud to recognize Paul Mulcahy as our Athlete Advocate of the Year. Paul is the student athlete that has best leveraged his NIL to create substantial impact towards nonprofit and or philanthropic causes. <laughs> How about you not be a complete jackass on the court and then maybe we won't give like shittier snide comments when you get a nice award like this like yeah how do you win that award and then be like that on the court and then also look like that this is a guy these are just the three instances that i can think of off the top of my head and if there's already three instances off the top of your someone's head of why a guy should have won a sportsmanship award probably don't give him the sportsmanship award right so he like straight up punched uh xavier johnson last year Mm -hmm. when he got which got him tossed out of Assembly Hall, and that was kind of when the legend began, as far as him being just a you know. And and also, this is a good point. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a sojourn real quick. Uh, between good villains and bad villains for the sport, Mulcahy, bad villain. You're just acting like a jackass, dude. Like you're yeah. punching people, you're tripping people, you're you're getting up in people's grill. That you you're in the Grayson Allen zone. Yeah, you're just being a dick. No one gives a shit. Whereas, uh, um, God, I can only think of his brother's name, Harper. Ron Harper. Ron Harper. Yeah. All he did was broke this state's heart over and over <laughs> again and let them know about it. That's good villain yeah. stuff. And there was, I know that there was a lot of, there's a lot of chatter among Indiana fans. that think that Dylan Harper, who's Ron Harper's brother, who's a, you know, uh big time 2024 prospect who has Indiana in his final six that say that they've got, we've got no shot with him because of our relationship with his brother. And I go, what are you talking about? Like, I understand that Ron Harper, like, uh, gave it back to the Indiana fans as good as he got it from them and certainly got the last laugh at really any Indiana school you can think of that plays Division One basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that there's, like, a lot of, like, bad blood there. It's just heel shit. It's like, yeah. I kicked your ass and will let you know about it. Like, yeah. um, it really seemed more like – like, I really don't think that, like, if you ask Ron Harper about the Indiana program, um, if he's going to say, like, you know, they're a bunch of bum-ass bitches, I don't give a shit. Like, like I think he would have nice things to say about the program. Um, you know, I'm sure it's his preference that his brother, you know, follow in his footsteps and go to Rutgers. But I, I don't think that he's going to not go to Indiana because of the dust up that the fans had with yeah. him because he was breaking our heart every time he showed up. Yeah, here, uh, here's the thing about guys that are, like, rated as like top five prospects in the country. Um, they have more important shit to worry about than what their brother thinks of. Yeah. Of a, an old rival. <laughs> and as a card carrying younger brother, myself, uh, love my brother. Don't think he listens to the podcast. Um, good guy. Used to play pranks on him constantly when I was younger. <laughs> um, where my brother would was going to school or went to school could not have had less of an impact on me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and like uh following my quote unquote brother's legacy never meant anything to me. Um especially if it would cost you 
potentially like millions and millions of <laughs> of like earning potential in the future. It's like, it's like, yeah, man. Uh, I don't like. I don't care what my brother did. Not in the sense of like what it means for me. Like, yeah, you know, do I want like? Am I proud of my brother? Do I want my brother to have my accomplishments? Absolutely. But like, sibling doesn't work that way. At least not automatically. I'm sure it does with some. But to think that it's just like this stone cold lock that, uh, um, that he's gonna that he's gonna follow what his brother wants him to do, or that his brother doesn't want him to go to Indiana, is insane. Like that's just competitors being competitors. Paul yeah. Mulcahy, on the other hand, is just being a jackass, uh, and you know doing borderline dangerous shit because he gets mad and throws a hissy fit on yeah. the court. Ron Harper doesn't throw hissy fits. He hits big time shots and let you know about it. And yeah. There's a big difference there. So we say all that to say Paul Mulcahy, Nihau. <laughs> it's <laughs> Guangdong Tigers. <laughs> Frankly, I actually he's probably not Chinese Super League quality if if we're being honest. That's one of the better that's one of the better leagues abroad, I think. Yeah. Um, I, you got more of an Eastern European flavor to you, uh, Mulcahy. So um, they did get a uh, Cliff and Murray back, though. So, oh yeah, there's that. There's a guy. They did lose Cam Spencer. Back to shoot another like twenty two percent from three again, probably. Um, we need to talk about Caleb Love and what is going on at Michigan. <laughs> Michigan club legend Caleb Love. Because I don't think there is anybody or any program in the Big Ten having a worse offseason than Michigan. And I don't think it's even remotely close. Yeah, it's uh, it's bad. Um, and I, unbelievably, I don't think that we can just, you can't blame Juwan Howard for all of it. Um, no. He is. I mean, this this is two years in a row now that um, if the story is to be believed that um, some academic um, constraints on incoming transfers has prevented them from getting um, some of the best transfers on the board. Which is just like, hey, Michigan, come come on over here. I got to talk to you. You are not an Ivy League school, and I know this is hard to hear. Um, you are a, uh, public school institution in the state of Michigan, uh, very prestigious, very good school. Don't get me wrong, but it's not going to hurt you one bit to let, to kind of loosen your restrictions for a basketball player. No one's Mm going to care. Like I I can't stress this enough. Nobody's going to care. And pretending otherwise is just kind of like, Makes you look like a bunch of dorks. Like if I'm being quite honest, do and do they do this for football? They can't. Possibly. I cannot imagine they, they cannot, do this for football. There is just no fucking way that if there's a transfer that Jim Harbaugh wants and wants to come to Michigan, that they don't get it figured out. So Michigan, just do that for your basketball program, right? Stop. Like that's an alum running your program. Like respect him. Like yeah. what are you doing? Like you're treating him like shit and. I just, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, how many scholarship players does Michigan even have right now? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't have their roster in front well, of me. Because it seems like everyone's talking about how Kentucky's only got like seven guys suiting up for them right now. 
And I don't think Michigan's got that many more than that. Um, and there's significantly more hurdles. I, Coach Calipari just needs somebody to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's, yeah. He, it's, Kentucky, it's no problem getting kids in. He's just got to get the bodies in the door. <laughs> Kentucky will, Kentucky will rubber stamp any application that comes their way. They're not worried about that. And and that's good for the record. Like I'm not, that probably sounded like a dig at the university of Kentucky. And believe me, if I was making a dig, there would be no uh, ambiguity about it, but you know, <laughs> coach Cal needs a kid. He's going to get that. And the kid wants mm-hmm. to come there. Kentucky's going to get it figured out. Michigan, you can do that, and you're not going to hurt your reputation at all because the people who give a shit about your academic reputation are not paying attention to your basketball program. And, like, this this idea that the people are going to, like, oh, well, Michigan was a prestigious institution until they let Caleb Love in, whose credits didn't fully align with our uh, transfer policy. What are you talking about? Like, are you listening? That's how dumb you sound. Um so, like, unless you're just trying to backdoor your way into the Ivy League, which, again, I'm sorry. Get in, get in line. I'm sorry if you're the first person to hear this, but that's not going to happen. Uh, you can you can make things easy on your basketball team. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's encouraged, yeah. actually. <laughs> things should be different for basketball players. Uh, they're bringing they're bringing a different sort of value to your program, to your school. Yeah, I'm looking at their roster projection on a Torvik and. Doug McDaniel is projected to be like the guy along oh with Jalen Llewellyn, who was the Princeton transfer that ended up tearing his something. Oh yeah. Um, Terrence Williams is back to be loudly bad and kind of like a, <laughs> and kind of like a PJ Tucker esque way. Um, Terrace Reed, who I thought was like kind of fine. Will Shetter, who looks like that and is going to be on the Kramer Awards here soon. Yeah. Uh, Namari Burnett, decent, tra- talented transfer. I don't know if he's any, like, Real quick, actually any good. Will Shetter doing the uh, the Hunter Dickinson role is going to be really Yeah, funny. really bad. It's like, it's like really hey, bad here's, stuff. Here's Hunter Dickinson, but everything's like measurably worse. Um, Brother, go be Evan Smotrich like you. <laughs> Like you should be. There's a guy. Uh, and Juwan's other kid is is back. To <laughs> of course, to participate in the in the events. That is uh, a yeah, bad that's bad roster. And there's just no there's no pathway to them getting better between now and November. There's just yeah, no- they were in the mix for uh, I forget I, one of the Tennessee wing yeah. transfers mm-hmm. who cut his list today and left Michigan out. So like. Yeah, they're in the sa- they're in the same spot as Kentucky is. Like, there's not a ton of high quality players to go around like in the portal, and like the ones that are have probably had things in the works for that. That's a the while. Thing like, even if, even if you even if you decided today to drop all the tape, it's like we're gonna get guys in here. There's not anybody left. That not not real- any difference makers that you could realistically get that's gonna make this team better next year. I mean, you can get some you can get some depth, but th- I mean. Not good depth, depth for what? Yeah, like so. Um, it's going to be a long year in Ann Arbor. Uh, yeah, and I, it, yeah, I, I don't know what what their twenty twenty four class is looking like, but I mean we we've talked about it on previous episodes, but just like I feel like Jawan's kind of getting a a raw deal. I know, I know, at like some point you. You know, you have to produce, and he's 
you know, kind of fumbled the bag a little bit with, um, you know, some roster construction stuff of his own doing and, and coaching. But like, it does seem like he's being like handcuffed a little bit by the university and like the donor base with just some of the NIL stuff and the admission stuff. Yeah. It, I'm curious if uh, this is, uh, this is his last year at yeah. Michigan one way or the other. And I would think lean more towards strongly that he finds a way out other than yeah. that Michigan fires him because I, that would be really fucking rich for you as an institution to hamstring one of your more famous program. Alumni. Yeah. Like that. I think that's, what's so weird to me. As and like, then, Hey, and you then should be like yeah, <laughs> bending over backwards to like make this guy a God and yeah. like bring your, your program back to, to glory or whatever. Yeah. Very it's strange. Not, it's not good out there. So, um, and then uh, switching gears, looking out west, uh, great news out of Nebraska as podcast darling Tomaninga has withdrawn from the uh, NBA draft and is now uh, returning to Nebraska for his final year of eligibility or his third year of eligibility. Can we pre- it's, two more. it's all made up these days. Yeah, like, who knows? Sure. It, it doesn't matter. Um, Nebraska looking kind of froggy. Yeah. could be like a sneaky bubble team. Uh, I, I got, got to get to 68 somehow. <laughs> I wonder like, like right now, what odds could you get on Nebraska finishing ahead of Michigan? Um, oh, they'd have to be, you'd be laying some juice. I would think. Do you think? Okay. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what the consensus on Nebraska is because they were they played a lot of close games last year and they closed really well. And so now you're kind of starting to remember what Iowa State looked like once Hoiberg got that thing up and running. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, so. surely there are not college basketball odds out there on, on no, DraftKings. I doubt it. That would be pretty sick behavior. Ooh. Get champion odds. Um, this is great podcasting. Absolutely. No, I think Michigan in the among non Penn State and Minnesota teams, um, I think Michigan's playing on Wednesday at the Big Ten tournament. I think they're going to be spicy take, but hot, I, I hot dog water. I can't, I can't refute it. And get yeah. Nebraska to win the the cha- the national championship at plus fifty thousand. Yeah, so that's some <laughs> Minnesota at a hundred thousand to one. If you're interested in such things, more so interested. Like, what are the odds that Nebraska's playing on their first game on uh, uh, Thursday of the Big Ten tournament as opposed to, or maybe even Friday? Ah, that's a lot of mouth to put mm. at the top. That's probably a little too spicy. I I, I think Thursday would be realistic. Yeah. It would, like yeah. it wouldn't shock me at all. No, and I think because uh, you look at kind of the pecking order, um, we haven't really dove into what Ohio State's been up to in the last. Uh, what have they been up to? Have they been doing anything? I'm not honestly uh, nothing since Jamison Battle. Like all their stuff is just like incoming freshmen and. Yeah, um, I mean they're basically going back to square one. Yeah. Um, other than Zed Key's back, um, which. Extreme. Back to dislocate his shoulder in more, <laughs> in more impressive and grotesque ways. 
Yeah, like you could probably put Nebraska in like that same tier with like Ohio State and I don't know, probably Iowa, Indiana, Indiana. Yeah, Indiana. You can see the- everybody that isn't Purdue and Michigan State. Indiana is truly the perfect off-season college basketball team because you can see whatever yeah. you want to see there. Uh, you can, you could talk like you could make a you could make a good faith argument for them to finish in any position in the Big Ten this year. Uh, maybe other than first, I think. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna say anything beyond oh, because I think you know on the high end you could say Indiana's going to compete for the Big Ten title. They've got the pieces. They've got the coaching. Um, it's just a matter of how quickly do they gel together. Um, but I think if you're going as far as to say like no, they'll they'll win the Big Ten for sure. That's a that's a pretty wild ass take. But pretty much any other position you could talk me I mean, you could talk me into 14th. It's like no, these guys all transfer for a reason. They suck. Their spacing's horrible. Um, they're going to be overly, overly reliant on a, uh, erratic point guard. And, uh, <laughs> uh, to which I will say, yes, we are. And it's going to be awesome because Xavier Johnson whips ass. He's going to be 30 years old. And, uh, we have now discovered that that is the key to success in this immediate post COVID <laughs> college basketball ecosystem is just get old ass guards. If, uh, are we done hitting on like off-season news? Because I've got a perfect segue into a Kramer Award submission. Yep, let's do it. Uh, talking about uh, Indiana teams that you can kind of see what you want. Um, not <laughs> sure how the pieces are going to fit. I don't think we've gotten him yet. And um, I know this is a, a, a common one among the fan base. Uh, Noah Vonley, welcome to the Kramer Award submissions. Oh, Christ. From... So I- it was from Eric Drake who says the only Hoosier I've never rooted for on the NBA level. Fuck that guy forever. Uh, pretty much full agreement from me. Um, the stories that came out about Noah Vonley after yeah. he left are brutal. Um, this was a guy that was so dissatisfied with his time in Indiana that he uh, negatively recruited against us um, after leaving, which is after being a lottery pick. <laughs> just like hey man i think things worked out pretty well for you here yeah um and uh also just a very frustrating player to watch on the court why weren't you better like i get that he was good but you should have been better and i mm, no i i don't like this guy at all and no I, i would say the vast majority of iu players if if forced to rag on them i can find something to needle them about but it's mostly from like a place of of love and uh, appreciation. That is not the case with Noah Vonley. Um, uh, very easy uh, trolley problem solution. If he's the guy on the track for me, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, if it's, yeah, well, if it's well, Noah Vonley or Jeremiah rivers, you know, which <laughs> lever I'm pulling. It's just like, uh, this, this team obviously preceded this, uh, 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 this lexicon, but, Talk about a team that could not have had less dog in them. Oh, none than whatsoever. the 2014-15 Indiana Hoosiers. My God in heaven. What a bunch of losers. Some and, really, really bad vibes on. And it started from team. and it and it started from him. Uh yeah. and uh <laughs> I also like I kind of felt bad for Will Sheehy that year, which yeah. I realize is not a guy that's gonna gin up a lot of sympathy among non-Indiana fans. Uh but it definitely kind of had the feeling of uh, um, 
like I remember when I was at IU, I had a very unique issue where all of my friends were either a year older than me or a year younger than me. I didn't have a lot of friends in my own uh, cohort, except for the woman that I married. And uh, um, that senior year when all of my friends graduated, I felt very left behind and very, uh, <laughs> very um, surly about that. And that's kind of like, the visage that uh will she he cut that entire yeah. season was just like man my friends aren't here this sucks yeah. <laughs> like, i got all these new guys that i hate <laughs> yeah you're the senior analyst and you're having to deal with like all the interns and like entry-level people all yeah. summer and like she he and yogi like visibly didn't get along yeah. um it wouldn't surprise me at all if those two have not spoken to each other <laughs> since they like, and it didn't even seem like they were actively antagonistic they just didn't do it for one another. No. It's just like, I am not interested in that guy at all. And uh, once they lost the uh, that core of players from the 2012-2013 season, they really just like, yeah. Anyway. Uh, no, like... Von, like, was uh, <laughs> Will Sheehy was not the reason that that team was, was bad, though I, I understand why he wasn't uh, as plugged in as maybe he could have been. But man, yeah. the the vibes of that team just started with Noah Vonley. And then uh, despite all of that, they knocked off the best Wisconsin team. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, one of the best Wisconsin teams that's ever been assembled. I guess you can make an argument that the, I mean, I guess it was all those same guys. It was the same guys. Yeah. It was just a year early, but uh, still beat them for the first time. You know, IU hadn't beaten Wisconsin in a sport in like 10 years before that game. Just still one of the more inexplicable results in uh, college basketball history. I'm I'm reading through the roster and um, there's probably like four or five guys on here that have either been submitted for a Kramer Award or could qualify for one. Like Vonley, Stanford Robinson, mm-hmm. Evan Gordon, oh. Jeremy Hallwell. Mm. I know Hannah Perea has been submitted. Luke Fisher, fuck that guy. <laughs> Twitter. Just bad vibes all around. Yeah. Um, I want to do one more because I'm interested. It's kind of an interesting prompt. And given all the um, news, we got a we asked for questions just in case we ended up going short. And since we're nearing an hour, we'll only do this one from beloved Crimson Quarry. Who's the funniest guy who could win conference player of the year next season over the extremely obvious favorite? Hmm. I think I'm trying to think like realistically, like I was going to say, like, uh, like immediately Ethan Morton comes to mind. That would be <laughs> it, I guess are. any, any non ED Purdue player would be pretty funny to win. Yeah. Big 10 player of the year. Um, Coleman Hawkins would be hilarious. <sighs> I guess. So then you just end up kind of in this, like, just think of a bad player. Mm-hmm. And then imagine them winning conference player of the year. Who's a player that's like not necessarily bad, but is more just like big 10 good because they're good at all the shit that the big 10 values for reasons that escape us. And then they Dante Scott. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Or we could do, he has has like an O rating. He has like an O rating of one Oh four. And wins the conference player of the year. No. What about uh, Tyler Wall? Oh, God. That would... Borderline not funny, more like... 
Uh, like what the hell happened to get to this point? It's like it's like turning on the dead flag blues, sort of <laughs> the <laughs> the wheels on fire. I think the funniest one um, that could win it and that would make Purdue fans the most mad and my homerism is coming out, but what if Kalel Ware won it? That would be actually, that would be <laughs> extremely funny. I think objectively, because this is a talented player that came from an Oregon program, did jack shit his freshman year there, but has the pedigree then comes to Indiana. <laughs> I think, I think even like uh casuals would say that that'd be an extremely funny conference player of the year yeah. for a guy to come from the PAC 12 with a very um, non big 10 skill set for a big man. And then just light the league on fire because he's like, Hey, I, come out here and hit three pointers and uh, have a face up game and stuff like that. And basically, you know, take trace Jackson Davis's game and uh, extend it out to the three point line. And also he's five inches taller. And yeah. uh, yeah. So I think funny. I think Hawkins is the right answer though. Like, like what, what if he, what, yeah. What we always talk about is like, what if he just decides to be like a big, he yeah. just like stops just, doing all the the extra he, shit. He puts on like thirty pounds of muscle in the <laughs> offseason. He just comes out like jacked as shit. This is like holy cow. His shot's all fucked up because he's he's too big now. But good news, your shot was all fucked up anyway. So yeah, we're all good. All right, I think that's all I got for for this week in terms of content. That's true. Um, I think I am also tapped. Uh, Chase Aldeach stayed in the draft, which I thought was kind of surprising. Ooh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not surprising, but like, I thought I kind of thought that he and Bowie were going to be a, a package deal. Yeah, uh, I will admit it. I am going to admit that I am vamping right now uh, in order to pull up one of our old. This is great podcasting. One of our old outlines, so that I can get our music <laughs> credit in correctly. <laughs> Uh, because for those who don't know, crimes normally runs this whole ship and we don't have to do any of this. Um, and now that he's gone, we decided we were just gonna fuck it. We ball on this one. Uh, we are so back. Yeah. Anyway, thanks so much for listening to the games on dude, a big 10 basketball podcast. If you're interested, check us out on Twitter. Uh, Tommy crimes is at Tommy underscore crimes. You can find me at Babar ESQ. You can find Chris at Chris shooty three. And you can also follow the pod for updates. And uh, well, there's no in the moment, big 10 riffs right now, except for uh, recruiting decisions, but uh, we are at games on pod. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or rants, feel free to email us at games on pod at gmail.com. We'll read the good ones on air. Assuming we read any of them at all. Uh, Again, that is uh, crimes job. Um, so should he ever be found and located, we will read your emails. <laughs> our he was on that tanker. <laughs> our intro and outro music is sports FM by Shane Ivers, courtesy of silvermansound.com. Um, I have been Babar. He has been Chris. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you the next time we decide there's something worth recording. Mm-hmm.